Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. This season is a study of Colossians. Read it, study it, and live it. Here's Jacqueline. We are on week four of Steady It of Colossians. How is that going for you girls? With your asking, your questions, seeking your answers, knocking on the door. That lesson last week, if I had to pick my favorite of this Colossians study, last week I'm pretty sure every word that was said was said for me. I listened to the video a couple of times and sat with that passage a couple of times and just let the Lord wash over uh, my headspace with last week's. That was my that was my favorite. God, God did some good things for my heart last week. This week, we're going to conclude our study it portion. And then we're going to start our last four week series of our Colossians study. Anybody getting tired of Colossians? Hard to, is it? There's so much. It's like every time you read a chapter again, you're like, oh, it's like seeing an old friend, sitting with that best friend, learning something new about your best friend. It's a beautiful thing. Colossians. I hope you don't get tired of it. If you want to add more to your reading as we go on the next five weeks, add Ephesians. Just add Ephesians and start with the same process. Just read it. Don't do anything else, but just read those six chapters. Read one word. Read one more verse. Just work your way through Ephesians and see the similarities between the letter to the church of Ephesus and the letter to the church of Colossae. Very, very similar. It's very cool because you're so familiar now with Colossians. You'll read through Ephesians and you're like, oh, that's like chapter three halfway down. You don't need to know what verse. We're still learning and studying and match up and see what it looks like. Before we get into our study today, let's pray. Let me do that. Heavenly Father, oh Lord Jesus, how much we love you. I thank you so much for the gifts that you've given to us. I thank you for a new day. I thank you for the breath in our lungs. We thank you for the people that are in our lives. I thank you for the smiles that they share, the hugs that they share. We thank you for the tears that we get to hold. There is such an honor to be able to carry somebody uh, closer to you through a time of struggle. And we thank you so much for giving us the arms, giving us the shoulders, the ears, the ability to just, just to sit with somebody in need. We thank you for using us as we are where we are for your kingdom and for your glory. I pray that you'll be with us this morning. I pray that you will go before um, our study. Lord, you know where each of our hearts are right now. Father God, you know where each of our mindsets are right now. You know what's going on through us physically, emotionally, spiritually. Father God, collectively and individually, we lay that right now at your throne. And we ask you to hold it, to care for it, to tend it, to take care of it, and to give us peace about it as we sit where we belong by your throne. I pray that you'll be with me. I pray that you'll silence my thoughts, silence my words, set me aside entirely. And I pray, Father God, that you'll go before Colossians 4, that you'll go before Revelation 3. Lord God, I pray that you and you alone will speak today, that you'll touch our hearts, touch our minds, touch our person in the way that it needs to be touched today. 
I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Colossians 4. We're going to start there. We did a Colossians 4 study as we read it. We're now going to do Colossians 4 as we study it. Our verse during the study series has been Matthew 7, 7, yes? And we took a week and we asked questions. I believe we have a fresh printout of our questions um, to ask. So we've got our asking questions and then we went through and we did seek and you will find to purpose to find those questions, those individual questions that we were asking, what are those answers? According to scripture, what are those answers? Are you finding them a little bit easier through scripture? My prayer is that you are. And then we were knocking on the door. We were seeing what it looked like to knock on the door for the gift of salvation and what, how to knock on the door to learn more from scripture based on what the spirit wants you to learn. Then we knocked on the door. So you look at Matthew 7, 7, and it's ask, and it's seek, and it's knock, and then there's not a fourth. How do you finish a fourth in a four-week series if there's not a fourth? Easy answer. Jesus. <laughs> Have you ever gotten to a place in your Bible study that you forgot to invite Jesus in? Ever been to that Bible study? Whether it's you on your couch in the morning, checklist, where's Jesus? I don't know, but I got Proverbs 22 read today. I did Matthew 7, I did my numbers reading, and I'm off. And we forget to bring Jesus into our Bible study. Sometimes we go to a woman's Bible study where there's a dialogue, and you walk away and you're like, something was missing. You ever been there? Where's Jesus? We got together, we brought his word, we opened in prayer, and we closed in prayer, and we shared prayer requests, but Jesus wasn't there. Sometimes we even get on our knees and we get in prayer and we forget to invite Jesus into our prayer time. Have you ever done that? I've done that. Sit in your closet, you do all the things, and you're sitting there and you're praying and you pray in the name of Jesus Christ, but your heart is planning dinner and groceries and you're thinking through that person's illness and you're thinking through what you saw on the news and you're everywhere else and you forget where you are, you forget about Jesus even in that moment of prayer. You're asking without Jesus there. You're seeking, forgetting to seek the face of Jesus. You're knocking, forgetting who's at the door. And we do the motions. Have you ever been there? <laughs> Christian girl, can we bring Jesus into this? That's the goal today. Ask, seek, knock. And during that whole process, no matter where you are in your walk with Christ, today, let's bring Jesus in. Colossians 4, and we're only going to read just a minute. I'm going to start at verse 12 and just read. You're looking for the city Laodicea. Colossians 4:12 says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, he greets you. He's always struggling on your behalf. He's always in his prayers praying for you. He's praying that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Then Paul writes about him and says, For I bear witness that he has worked hard for you. And he has worked hard for those in Laodicea. And he's worked hard for those in Hierapolis. And then he talks about Luke saying hello and Demas says hello. And then he says in verse 15, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea. 
Paul's writing to Christians in a city right next to Colossae. Says hi to Nympha. She's got a church in her home. Say hi to those people. And when this letter that you're holding, the letter of Colossians, has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Three times we see this city listed in a couple of verses. There is a close connection, a Christian connection, a fellowship, a Bible study, a learning going on between this church and that church. They were physically located nearby. They were spiritually connected through the blood and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God. They knew one another. They knew each other by name. Like, oh, that church has a home group and she leads it. That's a lot of intimacy to know about somebody. We have churches in this valley that we're close to. We know people that are hosting home groups for other churches because it's knit together in the blood of Jesus Christ. There's closeness within the body of Christ. That's what's happening here. About 30 years after Christ rose again. And they're sitting here and they're reading this letter for the first time, this letter written to the Colossians. They're reading this. And they get their instruction and they obey and they pass it on to Laodicea so they could read it. This letter that we've read so many times that we're falling in love with, that's becoming our very mirror, is being passed to these two different churches. And they're discussing this letter, these words, for the very first time. Perhaps having the same discussions we've had. That's cool. That's amazing to think. And then there was a letter written to the Laodiceans that the Church of Colossians were waiting to receive. The question is, what's that letter? It's a good question to ask. If they're supposed to read a letter as uh, this church in Colossae that was read to the Laodiceans, what is that? What is that letter? Great question. Ask that question. Here's a couple answers. Some people say, and if you look in commentaries, some of them will say it's the letter of Ephesians. Ephesians and Colossians and Philemon were all written by Paul at the same time, carried by the same carrier to be delivered to the same area. So a lot of commentaries, a lot of author, Bible authors will say this letter is the letter of Ephesians, assumingly. So that could be it. With that in mind that it could be, read Ephesians as if you are a Laodicean. Cool homework. It could be that there was another letter that Paul wrote Ephesians, that Paul wrote Colossians, that Paul wrote Philemon, and he wrote Laodiceans. It could be, and that's one of the speculations, that he wrote that letter and it went to that church and it was read to that church and it was read to this church and then it got lost, misplaced, purposely directed by the hand of God not to be included in the word of God, perhaps. Those are two things. You want to study that more? Make a personal note. Invite Jesus into that study. Seek your answers. Those are a couple of the ideas that are coming about. It could be Ephesians, could be the letter to the Laodiceans. We don't have that copy if it is. Nonetheless, you have a feeling with how similar Ephesians is and how similar Colossians is, we have a feeling that the letter to the Laodiceans would have had the same dialogue. I, Paul, write this with my hand to the glory of God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, declaring who Jesus is, 
declaring who you are according to the riches of his mercy. You have a feeling it's the same thing. You have a feeling all of the cities that surround each other were dealing with the same struggle of apostasy, of false preachers, of loving themselves more than loving Jesus, of loving wealth more than loving Jesus. You can see that as possibly a cultural issue. Can't we see that as a cultural issue today? as if nothing has changed, as if humanity is still humanity, as if we raise ourselves, as if we reap what we sow. We know what that letter would have said. So now we jump ahead. This is 30 years after Christ rose again, yes? And then let's call it 30, 35 years later, another book was written. And in this book, we see Laodicea specifically called out. We're going to read that today. Revelation chapter 3. There are seven different churches that receive letters prophesied in the end times, in the last day. One of those churches, the last church that's listed, is the church of Laodicea. Keep in mind, this is only 30, 35 years after this letter was written and received in Colossae. And the letter was written and received in Laodicea. Only 30 years has passed. Can you remember 30 years ago? Have that little moment. Where were you 30 years ago? What was said to you as a piece of advice, as exhortation, 30 years ago? Is there a statement? Is it something you could write down? An exhortation that was given to you 30 years ago. I thought about that this week during all my thinking, my quiet time. 30 years ago, I would have been 13. That's how old I am. I knew God as my father. I knew Jesus as my savior. I was a child of God. I was an Awana girl. If you know anything about Awana, it's a boys and girls club for church that is highly focused on scripture memory. I knew scripture. I started memorizing scripture when I was three as an Awana cubby. I went to Sparks. I went to Chums. I went to Guards. I knew a lot of scripture as a 13-year-old girl, and I'm so thankful for that. I had a lot of head knowledge. They had Bible quizzes. I won every time. I loved, I loved my head knowledge. So then I went into junior high, and I had this junior high pastor. His name was Tom Cameron. He was my junior high teacher. I love Tom Cameron. Amazing man. He knew my scripture knowledge, and he saw in me a little girl that knew how to raise her hand and answer the name of Jesus. He saw that. I have a feeling as an adult, he also saw the little girl that raised her hand and said the name of Jesus, had a little bit of pride, a little bit of self-confidence, a little bit of, I know this because do you see all my jewels that I have earned? I had all the patches, all, I had all, I was like that brownie, the the Girl Scout brownie that had the loaded thing and wore it proudly. It's good to be boastful when you know scripture. (laughs) It's not. And I have a feeling Tom Cameron saw that in me. So he, when I was 13, he said, let's take that knowledge and put it to use. I'm like, okay. So we got into his car and he took me to UMC Hospital, (coughs) University Medical Center in Las Vegas, which is my hometown. And he and I went there and we went to the children's ward. And there was a little girl in that children's ward, about nine or 10 years old, just a couple years younger than me. And we went in and Mr. Cameron was talking to this little girl, 
start talking about Jesus and I'm sitting there seeing a little girl just basically my age laying there in the hospital. It shook me a little bit. That's what a reality could be. We all have different realities. And I'm sitting here and this little girl is laying there. And Mr. Cameron's talking to her to, about Jesus as comfortably as he teaches me every Sunday about Jesus. There was no difference in his voice. There was no difference in his humor and his smile. He was talking to me on that hospital bed. And I'm sitting here and I'm watching the ease in which he's having this conversation. As scripture, without the Bible being open, scripture just spilling off his tongue. This man knew scripture. And then he asked this little girl if, he wanted, if she wanted to know more about Jesus as a friend. And she said, yes. He stepped aside and pushed me forward. And said, tell that little girl how to receive Jesus Christ as her savior. And for the first time, I got to lead somebody to the Lord. My knowledge was turned to fruit. And it was no longer here, and it was no longer for my jewels, and it was no longer to raise my hand, and it was no longer about what I knew for sake of knowing. It now produced fruit for the first time. And this little girl got saved. I have no idea what happened to this little girl after that day. I don't know her health issues. I don't know if she got out of the hospital. I don't know if she went to the arms of Jesus. I have no idea. I do know 30 years ago, I was told, put your knowledge to use and see what God can do. And I saw what God can do. What exhortation did you get 30 years ago? Are you doing that today? How's that for a fun self-evaluation? I was given other advice 30 years ago, and I'm... I struggled with keeping up with some of those. We're not perfect. Seasons come and go, right? If we can remember where we are today, focus on where we are today, and consider you being part of this church of Laodicea. What did you hear 30 years ago? We know what you heard 30 years ago. We just studied Colossians. That's what you studied 30 years ago. And here we are 30 years later, and we're hearing this, because this book was written at the end of the first century, right? It had to have been spread after it was written because all letters spread after they were written. John, who wrote the book of John, who wrote the book of First John, who wrote Second John, who wrote Third John, wrote Revelation. People heard, oh, John wrote another letter? I want one. You know there was excitement in the cities and the towns to get this letter written by John in his last days. Imagine being part of the city of Laodicea reading this for the first time and remembering what you learned 30 years ago, self-evaluating in that moment. Here's what it says. Revelations 3, starting in verse 14, says, unto the angel of the church in Laodicea write, and then there's a quotation mark, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not even realizing that you are wretched and pitiable and poor and blind 
and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. And I counsel you to buy white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And I counsel you to buy salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I wonder how many of them remembered the letter to the Colossians. I went back to chapter 3 and verse 1 and thought I used to seek the things that are above and I have now forgotten. Verse 19 says, Those whom I love I reprove and I discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, and this right here ties in our whole Matthew 7, 7 study. Behold, I, Jesus Christ, stand at the door and knock. You read that and you ask the question, what door? What door is he knocking at? This isn't a salvation door. It's written to the churches. What door is he knocking at? The church. This church is still together. Amazing. This church is still together. It's still doing its thing. It's still behaving like a church, but it's poor and it's blind and it's naked. And Jesus is on the outside of this door. They have continued doing the church thing. They have continued doing what the letter told them to do without Jesus anymore. They didn't need Jesus anymore. She thankful we don't go to that church. And may we not throw a stone at that church. May we not judge that church that we sampled. And you leave that church and you're like, there's just the spirit is not there. Instead of judging them, may you pray over them. Because you know Jesus is praying for them. You know Jesus is standing at that door knocking. And he says to the whole church these words. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone, anyone, one person from that church, if anyone hears my voice, and if anyone, one person from that church opens the door, anyone, I will come in to that person. Your church does not define who you are in Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Your church does not define who you are in Jesus Christ. If your church is shining the light of Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean that you are shining the light of Jesus Christ. If your church is struggling with remembering that Jesus is part of the church, that Jesus is the church, that doesn't mean that you are struggling with that as well. You and your walk with Jesus Christ today is what defines you and Jesus Christ today. Jesus says, I'm standing at the door at this church and I'm knocking and I want anyone to hear me. And those of us that are in this room, I have a feeling those of us that are part of Women Inseparable are running to that door and being like, I hear you. The door is open. I never closed it. The people in this church, they forgot everything. And I pray scripture of Colossians is going through your head right now that the Colossians heard 30 years ago, that the Laodiceans heard 30 years ago, and they entirely forgot. Decided, right? It's a choice. 
they chose to, instead of following the letter of encouragement, they are like, eh, I have money. I have prosperity. I have everything I need. So much so that thanks, Jesus. Thanks for getting me started. I got it from here. Ever heard somebody say that? Oh, I did the God thing when I needed it. I don't need it anymore. What does that mean? May we never get to that place. Because, friend, 30 years is coming. And we have no idea what we are going to be in 30 years. We have no idea what life is going to take us from here to 30 years. You ever thought about that? What am I going to face these next 30 years? And am I going to stand? Am I going to continue walking? I'm going to continue in that exhortation. That thing Mr. Cameron told me at 13 that I'm still holding on to is 43. Am I going to still hold on to it at 73? I pray above all prayers that I do. That the number one thing that comes from my gifts that God has given to me is that one more person receives Jesus Christ as their Savior. May that be the heart that is on our tongue that we pray before the King. This church forgot. And then he says this, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, I will eat with him, and he will eat with me. Such a personal, intimate relationship. The one who conquers, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. Did you hear that? Just the same as I conquered. Just the same as I sat down and rest with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. There are so many questions I pray you're asking, and I pray that you seek your answers this week. Chapter four of Revelation verse one, it continues, and you'll see the word door again, and it's fascinating, a small, small chapter. It says, after this, I looked, this is John writing, and I have a feeling he has a captive audience. The church of Laodicea is glued to their chairs. I can imagine a tear running down their face. John says, after this, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. Door is never closed. I don't know where you are with Jesus Christ today. I don't know if you've never received Jesus as your Savior. If you have never received Jesus as your Savior, may today be your day. If you received your Savior 30 years ago and you're standing here today, may you stand in that same newness, knowing that the door of heaven has not closed. Never closes. He loves you so much. Remember that time when we saw who we were before we knew Jesus Christ and how much Jesus loved us then? He loves you that much now. Not because of how good you are, how much you've improved over the last 30 years, how much you've clung to the letters of encouragement, but because you are you and he loves you. And he says to those who conquer, to those who conquer what? Pride, self-worth, your personal motivations to be religious, to be godly, to be that personality in your church. To you who conquer that and come back to me and seek the things that are above, 
I'm giving you place on my throne, just like God, my Father, has given me place on his throne. That's what you get. That's what's waiting for you. And when you read chapter four, and I pray that we'll all read chapter four this week, it gives a scene of what happens, what the throne looks like, and what happens at the throne. And when you read this, will you put yourself in this passage? Because you presently are the one that has conquered, are you not? You're sitting here, scripture open, smiles on your faces, knowing I have conquered. Today I have conquered, because I'm here. I've got my Bible open. I'm remembering Jesus. I am here. I am on the throne with Jesus Christ. That's where I am. Look and see what happens at that throne, according to Revelation 4, and picture yourself in this chapter. If you join me in your picture and your mental image, you're going to fall on your face in tears. And I wonder how many of us picture us in this chapter as the words, holy, 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 is being proclaimed to the one who was and is and is to come. And you know our rightful places on the throne with Jesus. How do you sit there with those words being proclaimed in your direction as you're next to Jesus? That overwhelmed me. And I wanted to find my place next to the elders and worship and saying, you alone. But then part of me wanted to just sit there paralyzed, looking at his face. How close, as if he says, come sit with me, eat with me. I want to eat with you. They're proclaiming their words right now. It's about you and me. And you're so enamored by that face that you've loved your whole life. What is that vision in your head? Whatever that vision is, that's your reality. That's the reality of the word of God. This is your future. This is your tomorrow. Do you know Jesus is your savior? This is your tomorrow. You get to be at the throne of God. It's real. Let that wash over your day. May we end with Jesus. I don't know how your day started this morning, but I pray that whatever happened to that woman, you, this morning, that first thought that crossed your mind, that first feeling that your body felt, that first, the way your day started. Whatever happened this morning, you're sitting here today. Be proud of that accomplishment that got you out of bed, that got you here. Be proud of that. And may you give her what she needs today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you need to be the good Christian girl tomorrow. Be with Jesus today. Find yourself at his throne today for that girl that got up this morning. Fight for her. Give her what she needs in Jesus today and see what happens. Sound good? Let's close in prayer. Jesus, I don't even know what words to say as we sit in a place that we feel so unworthy to sit, overwhelmed by your brightness, overwhelmed by your beauty, overcome with the fact that you love us so purely. It's overwhelming. Jesus, we love you. May our love from you bring us to your feet in praise and worship and awe, proclaiming Father God, proclaiming Jesus Christ, that you are worthy. You are worthy to receive everything. 
Father God, we are yours, and we thank you for that. In the sweet name of Jesus Christ, every word on our hearts is laid at your throne. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.